Hi everybody, you're listening to the Mog Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk, and we strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to episode zero before attempting it. Find it at the top of our Fat Life page, Rope Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a bottom. We're rope partners and have been practicing together for a few years now, about four or so. We're excited to share our passion for rope with you, and we live in the beautiful city of Bangkok, Thailand. That being said, even from Bangkok, you can access a lot of quality kink education online nowadays, right, Maya? Is that so, Fox? Absolutely. For example, you can visit our sponsor for today's episode, FrictionLive.ca. That sounds exciting. We thank them for sponsoring today's episode of Rope Podcast. They offer very high-quality live video education where you can participate and interact from the comfort of your own home. Our dear listeners should go check them out definitely. And once again, their website is FrictionLive.ca. That sounds awesome. Today, we're going to discuss a question from listener uh, Zaddy, Z4DDY, about sensuous rope. Thank you, Zaddy, for sending us a question. Yeah, so it's a listener question episode. Um, So he shared that he would love to hear discussion of sensual rope. And he described it as the different means to create sensuousness in rope, rope handling for sensuality, physical connection to enhance sensual connection, Suspension types for sensuality. Interesting. And experience of sensuality in rope. All right. So there's a lot to say about that. And you and I quite like sensual or sensuous rope. I'm not sure what the difference is. But, um, I would say it's an important part of what we do in rope, Maya. It is. We enjoy it very much. And so we're going to answer it from our own perspective, as always. Yeah. Um, we have no one true way. Um, and we'd love to hear um, other listeners' definitions and experiences of central rope in the comments of the episode as normal. So do feel free to comment on the episode in the Fat Life writing. All right, that sounds good. So let's get kicking. So Maya, what do you think we mean by sensuality in the context of rope? So as we do, we looked it up in the uh, dictionary just to make that. sure <laughs> that we had a good, strong definition. So uh, sensuality means relating to or involving gratification of the senses and physical, especially sexual pleasure. That sounds good. That does sound good, and it does indeed sound the kind of thing that we enjoy in ropes, certainly with each other and with some other people too. So is all rope sensual then? So I can see what you mean, um, because in some ways all rope could be considered sensual by that definition, because all rope by its very nature involves gratification of the senses, and especially physical senses. Mm-hmm. I think it's the sexual pleasure um, that perhaps is different. And we tend to mean when we talk about sensual pleasure, uh, more like rope involving a lot of touch, um, potentially other senses where possible, uh, very pleasurable rope, and sometimes sexual. Yeah, I would definitely say that sensual rope is not necessarily sexual. One can segue into the other if that's what all the participants want, definitely. But I have definitely experienced very sensual scenes that did not have a sexual element. And here is where Fox and Maya could dive into a definition of what is and isn't sexual. (laughs) And that could be a very long 
discussion that I don't think is super relevant here, but the blurring of where sensuality stops and sexuality begins, I think is a bit of a gray area. I mean, it would be a great opportunity for me to brag about a lot of beautiful women we played with, but maybe that's for another episode. So how is rope sensual? (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, rope usually involves a lot of physical proximity. Yes. Um, If you're tying someone up, at the very least, you are an arm's length from them physically. Yeah. Quite often closer than that. Yeah, you have to be able to touch them to to put put the rope rope on on them. them, And thus... Um, I guess you could try your style of shibari where you like lasso them from a distance. cowboy shibari. Yeah, that would be actually quite fun to try, but that's not the way most people do. No, indeed. Is my guess. You can, as the top, choose that distance, set the distance... And you usually take into account things like the negotiation you've had with your partner. Absolutely. And you can be an extremely close tie where, for instance, the bottom is leaning against your chest. You're like wrapping them in your arms, like extremely intimate. They're like their head can be in your shoulder. If you're tying, for instance, their hips, you can rest your head as the rigger onto their thigh, and that can be quite intimate. Um, and things like you have a lot of skin surface contact. Uh, if you have stubble, for instance, you can like scratch your stubble on your partner's skin and provoke all kinds of sensation. Or at the other end of that spectrum, you can be quite at arm's length, so very little direct body contact, but you can use your hands on the other person's body in a certain way to create the sensuality, such as dragging the back of your hand over skin as you move rope. And I am I am demonstrating <laughs> it on my alive. This is radio, so you can really see it. But I am I'm very amused. I'm I'm dragging my the back of my hand on the upper arm. How does that feel Maya? It's not unpleasant. Right. <laughs> uh, you can also take breaks in the tying to just touch your partner over skin, over the rope, pressing onto the rope can be mm, interesting in terms nice. of sensation. Yeah. You can run from one to the other to highlight the contrast between areas that are covered by rope and areas that are naked skin. Okay, so touching the rope and pressing that down and then going straight running, to the skin. Running onto the skin mm-hmm. and highlighting. I like doing that. You can use different parts of your hands. You can use your nails within, once again, what's been negotiated because... My, maybe your partner doesn't want to be scratched to blood, but just light stimulation with your tip of your nails can be very nice. You can touch with your palm. You can touch with your fingertips. There's a lot of things you can do. Okay. Um, and one thing I would say is I think this kind of rope, as many of the others, is the more comfortable you are with your tie and your tying, the more you're able to focus on other aspects that aren't mm. the tie, like touching your bottom. So I think yes. that's something for people to be aware of. If you're still very focused on how do I tie my chest harness, it's much harder to multitask and be like, oh, how can I touch mm. nicely? And in general, sensuality is going to be difficult to achieve if you don't create 
a sense of safety mm. in your partner. We usually cannot access essential space if we don't feel safe. And part of that feeling of safety is going to come from your competence. Yes, absolutely. And showing that you can manage your partner's body. That's mostly the top to the bottom. Yeah. Uh, if you can secure their body, if you can move their body smoothly without letting them fall and hurt themselves, if you can support their head, that sort of thing is going to make a big difference to your ability to access sensuality in the scene. And as you said, Maya, it's much easier to do with a simple tie you know very well than trying to do something new and super fancy where you're more bound to stumble and that makes sense, but it's going to be less sensual as an experience. Yeah, and I think you're right. It's much easier for the bottom to relax if they trust that your rope is is safe, for Mm. sure. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really love making this podcast and sharing it with you. But your support can really help us pay for the hosting, the equipment and other critical costs. So if you like this podcast and you want to support us, you can do so at ropepodcast.com. You'll find ways to buy rope tutorials and gear so we get a small commission from your purchase at no extra cost to you. In addition, you could also donate to us directly on our Patreon either as a one-off amount or monthly support that can be as little as the price of a cup of coffee. If you can't afford to do that, that's okay. Just enjoy the podcast and maybe tell a kinky friend or two about it. Now back to today's episode. So Maya, what about the bottom? Because we're talking more about the rigor so far, but there's two people or more, usually in a rope scene. Um, So what as a bottom do you do to increase the sensuality? So, yeah, so I think uh, the bottom can very much help that shared sense of sensuality. So we've talked before about the idea of a bottom's meltiness, um, which is a bit hard to describe, but I think it's about giving up your body into the rope and into the rigor. Would that sound right? Sometimes people describe it as surrendering to the rope or submitting to the rope, which has a bit of a power exchange undertone, but I like that vision. Yeah, although it can be, I guess, if you're submitting to the rope as opposed to the rigor, that's a different thing. Okay. Also something I've seen someone talk about the difference between submitting to an implement and submitting to a person. That's mm. an interesting distinction. Um, so how the bottom responds definitely can create that shared sense of sensuality. So their noises, their body into the rope or the rigor, um, and also their touch. Um, again, we're talking about negotiation as, as a kind of critical thing beforehand, obviously. Um, Are they active in terms of touch? So are they doing some things themselves, which we can talk about in a minute? Or are they passive? So are they uh, responding to how the rigor touches them? So there's lots of things that a bottom can do to support the sensuality of the scene. All right. And honestly, it can make a really big difference. Rope is definitely something where the bottom is as important as the top. Well, it's a two a two way thing, right? If you're all sensual and the other person, it, it, you can have a real clash of styles. If you have you a really person can. who's like stiff as a board, and then one person trying to be sensual, I'm pretty sure that the sensual person would give up after a while and feel rejected potentially. Yeah. And you know, it's funny that you mentioned that. I think I've seen it both ways. I have seen riggers try to be really intimate and sensual with bottoms who are not receptive to it at all, and I've also seen bottoms 
be very hot and melty and touchy with a rigger who looked spooked and just wanted a more cold clinical tying experience. So once again, talk to each other kids and negotiate your scenes properly. Yeah. So making sure your level of sensuality is appropriate is, is super important. So it's about how well you know the partner, mm. discussing likes and dislikes in rope, the venue and the event. So yeah. the type of tying that you're doing needs to be um, appropriate. appropriate and also the level of sensuality you agreed to beforehand. Um, and not kind of changing the rules halfway. And it's easier, I think, for the rigger to manage, in inverted commas, the level of sensuality of the bottom. Like I've seen you, um, I've seen you do a moderately sensual rope scene and the bottom definitely wanting to push it a bit more. And it's easier for you to tie their hands up. Yeah. If, if someone's touching your junk in a way you don't welcome, you can tie their hands away in a way that it's not going to happen again, I guess. Yeah, whereas, I mean, I'm not talking about consent violation. <laughs> the person wasn't doing that, but they were definitely pushing the sensuality a bit further than I think you were hmm. looking for in that particular scene. Um, and that's a real challenge. Like, both of you want a central rope scene, but where that falls can be slightly different. It's definitely a spectrum. Yeah. So I agree with you, Maya. As a top, you have a lot more control. Yeah. Whereas um, if you're the bottom and you're tied up, they start touching you, you have to like call yellow or red. Yeah. And it's important to feel that you can do so Absolutely. if you need to. Yeah. All right. So non-rope factors. How can we create sensuality um, in the factors surrounding our scene? If we have control of the environment, yes. which is not always going to be the case, because sometimes, Maya, we go to play parties where the location is not one we've chosen, the music is whatever they've put on and so on. But if we have control, there are definitely several factors which can affect how sensual we're going to make our experience. And a very big one for me is the music. Yeah, absolutely. This is huge for you, actually. And I love it too, but it's hmm. I find it really interesting how you control your music. I really like tying to music. I like to choose the music based on my mood for that day. And that will in turn influence the rope I tie. Yeah, I can totally get a feel for what... As soon as the first notes of whatever we're <laughs> listening to come on, I can get a feel for whether I'm going to have a lot of pain that day or mm. a very relaxing time. Yeah, if it's the Mongolian metal band coming up, you know, it's <laughs> it's going to be more throwing you around that day. Yeah, the more metal stuff is definitely a bit rougher. Yeah. Um, that being said, if your goal is sensuality, that can backfire if your bottom has different taste in music than you do. Yeah, you've had a few experiences of that, yeah. Can be can be a bit awkward. <laughs> like, that can really prevent them from getting into their headspace. And music you... can be really personal. Yes, Maya, music is extremely subjective, and that's okay. The ways you can deal with that is probably if you're going to tie someone you know less well, you can choose things that tend to be okay with most people, such as we like using Massive Attack as mm. one of our go-tos when we're yeah. playing with someone we don't know so well. Yeah. Uh, another one we find is uh, quite successful with most people is Glass Animals. Yeah. Like something that's a bit groovy, like a nice... I'm, I'm going to be a bit obvious and call it a sensual rhythm. I don't know if that means anything, but you know what I mean, right? Mm -hmm. Like something that gets you in that kind of mood. 
That being said, I'm sure even as I'm saying those words, some of our listeners are cringing to the idea of doing rope to them because they don't like those. Yeah, yeah. I guess to be unoriginal, <laughs> the best solution is going to be to talk to each other. Yeah. And what kind of music do you like? Is there a certain type of music that pisses you off and yeah, takes you absolutely. out of your headspace? Yeah. And this isn't something people often ask as part of their negotiation. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're trying to really create a very strong themed scene, then just checking that whatever you choose doesn't really jar them, I think is really yeah. critical. It's also a great question to ask your partner while debriefing the scene. Mm. What did you think of the music? Did you feel that it contributed to the scene? Did you feel that it detracted from the scene? Um, yeah, you're very good at asking that when you use a new piece of music. And I think you often try things out with us to yeah. see whether they stay on your list mm. or not. And I got some surprising answers asking, asking those questions. <laughs> yeah. So actually honing in on your partner's taste is going to be very useful if you want a successful central experience. Yeah. Yeah. So what else? What are the other non-rope factors? We're going to speak to the other senses, so scent. So scent is one of the things that you can look at. So things like essential oils or scented candles. And you love incense. I do love incense, but it's a bit of a commitment because usually when you use incense in a room, the smell is going to stick around. So if you don't want always the same smell, maybe incense is not your best bet. If your rope room is also your bedroom and you don't, want to smell clove and cinnamon 24 hours a day in your bedroom, maybe incense is not your best bed either. Yeah, or even if you just want different scents for different um, scenes, because mm -hmm. that would be something for me. Like, I really like the conditioning aspect of having the same scent for a certain type of person, but then, obviously, you would want different scents for different yeah. people. Also, pro tip, remember <laughs> that rope is flammable. <laughs> Yes. So if your scent delivery mechanism involves heat or flame, maybe try to not set fire to your rope studio. Yeah. Because you would be very sad. Yeah. 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 You worry about me and fire. I do a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. So we, we tend to shy away from that. Given I set light to my kitchen, I, I feel like that's not totally mm -hmm. unreasonable. Okay. So lighting is another aspect. All right. So most people tend to feel that Low light is more central than bright light, right? Yes, I think so. So that's something you can play with. You can install some warmer light sources. Yeah, because warm light versus cold light makes a big difference. Like in our um, office living room bit, we have two different light sources. One is very mm. warm, one is very cold. I really very, dislike very the different. cold one, yeah, so I it's never very use harsh. it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I would use cold light sources for certain types of photography, oh. but definitely not for a central mood. Yeah. Uh, one that is very famous for sensuality is candlelight. Uh, and we tend to keep our candles at a distance so we don't like burn the person, <laughs> spill them over. Unless we're doing wax. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, interesting ideas also include using colored light bulbs. Oh, I also bought us some pretend candles that flicker. Yeah, okay. Electric pretend candles that yeah, have a little they have battery like batteries, inside. Yeah. So those ones don't set fire to your shit. And they've so worked quite well yeah. um, for some things. We've used them quite successfully. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely like these. Um, if you're into that, you could install a black light. Okay. And then you could have UV reactive rope. Fancy. Like Is that very expensive out of interest? Uh, it's more expensive than... 
basic rope, yeah. yeah. But if you like that aesthetic, uh, it can like remind you of a nightlife. Like being in a club. Uh, yeah, like being in a club, which for some people is an essential experience. For mm-hmm. some people, it isn't. So once again, your mileage may vary on that. Okay. Uh, you could use LEDs. Now you can get really cheap LED strips that allow you to do a lot of things with lighting. That can be interesting. Um, what do you call them? Fairy lights? Oh, fairy lights. I love fairy lights. Yeah. Those can be also quite central. I do remember you setting them out for my birthday for some. I did. And that contributed very well to the mood. It that and the nice. three gorgeous naked women. And the three women. women, I think, yeah. was the thing. Anyway. Oh, best birthday ever. <laughs> Uh, and the low-tech version, if you don't have access to all of that, is you can put something over your lamp, like a colored scarf or something, mm. and that's going to filter the light and give it a certain tint. Uh, that being said, that's also another great way to set fire to stuff if you have yeah, a scarf. Yeah, that's an interesting. We haven't really done that. I'm looking at our yeah. lights now thinking, I wonder. So at this stage, we're making it sound like this podcast is sponsored by the fire department. <laughs> that You know what? That's because in our very first week that we met and played and I came to see you, uh, we watched a video and in it, it said... Don't set fire to your bottom. And About it's, seven times. Yeah, and it's really stayed with me. Yeah. Even though it's silly. Like, I, I mean, mean, obviously, we laughed ro- about yeah, it. Yeah, rope, rope and fire are not good friends. Anyway, okay. So, what about temperature? So, Maya, you come from the UK. Uh, so, you love being cold, right? I you hate find being that cold. super sensual. I hate being cold. Yeah. <laughs> uh, luckily, here in Thailand, cold's not really a thing. No, I'm baking right now. Unless. You go to a play party venue <laughs> that has the aircon blasting 16 degrees Celsius all night. Yeah. And then I'm not going to feel very sensual because I'm going to be wrapped in three different sweaters. We have to bring your jumpers for that, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I guess the lesson here is if you want a sensual experience, adapt the temperature to what both people will be wearing. And if your bottom is being tied in skimpy lingerie, probably don't have the room be super cold. That's not going to be very sensual. And if your concept is that your bottom is in this super intricate, multi-layered Japanese kimono, Mm, probably have the room a bit cooler. Otherwise, it's not going to be a great experience. That is true. When we've done the kimono stuff, it's been extremely hot. Yeah. 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 Okay. So like just... Find the sweet spot for what the both of you will be wearing. And I guess that means maybe the rigger adapts what they're wearing to what the bottom is wearing to an extent. And also within negotiation, because remember, like, as the rigger, I'm going to tie you while I'm in my underwear. That's also something your bottom needs to okay before the fact. Yeah, and vice versa. Yeah. If they're going to strip off. And then as we're speaking of clothes, what you're wearing definitely influences sensuality. Uh, some people find that a lot of skin exposed is sensual. Um, some people prefer to wear certain types of clothing that are pleasant to touch to them. So things like satin, like silk, depending on what you like. Some people like nylon a lot. Like everyone's going to have different tastes in that area. Yeah. And also the bottom might, in order to feel sensual, like for me, if my tummy is exposed, I don't Mm -hmm. feel as sensual. So how you wear things is also a thing. And also how much you worry about your piece of garment. Because if you got this really expensive 
bodysuit and you're worried the whole time that it's gonna tear, you probably not. Have I mean, the kimono. Sometimes I feel like that because it's super beautiful and silk yeah. and delicate. You know, and hard okay. To replace that. Yes, true. very much so. Okay. So, what other tips from the top? do we have for a more central scene? What can you offer? Mm, we already covered a bit the fact that you want to choose a tie that you know well, you're not going to stumble around, you mastered that tie already, so that's boxes checked off. That's quite useful. Um, I quite like Ichinawa as a starting place for a central scene. Um, we have a couple episodes on it if you're not familiar with what Ichinawa is also yeah, I can link called in the show Hiponawa One Robe all that good jazz or having your go-to tie for me is the chest harness if I'm tying someone for the first time if I want a central experience I know that I can tie that chest harness upside down with my hands behind my back just <laughs> using my teeth it's not going to be a problem <laughs> maybe a bit so I can focus on the quality of my touch, mm. which is another concept I want to speak about. The way you handle your rope, the way you run it over the body is going to be important. Uh, usually for most people, it's central when you slowly run long lengths of rope over the body. Yeah. Being mindful of how much friction you apply, because yeah. if you go into rope burn territory... That's a different type of play than central yeah, play. Yeah. Um, you can play with sensitive areas of the body with the rope, like running rope very slowly and gently around the neck, on the nipples, in the genital area, if that's something that's been okay, can have very nice results. Okay. Um, so what are the... Th those all sound very useful. What, what mm -hmm. about pressure? Like you talked about... Um, it's a bit of a Goldilocks situation because usually if you touch someone with pressure that's too light, <laughs> you're going to tickle them. And yep, that's why Maya's laughing right now. Yep. And if you touch them with too much pressure, then you get this reaction, which is not essential. That was a bit mean. So you want to find um, middle ground. So Just, Maya, how's, how's this for you as a... Yeah, Milk so brand. I'm looking at you very suspiciously now. And we just probably bust, like, everyone's eardrums. That's Sorry, okay. listeners. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> it's finding the right amount of pressure that's not too little, not too much. And that's part of what I mean by quality of touch. It's being mindful of how you touch the person and also how the person is receiving this touch. Absolutely. Which is our next point. The bottom's reactions... You're going to need to see, understand, read them if you want to have a good time in a central scene. Um, if it looks like whatever you're doing is working well for the other person, then do more of it. If it looks like it's not working at all, then maybe change to something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think as a bottom, it helps to, not in a fake way, but very slightly um, exaggerate your responses mm -hmm. And this is a real art. Oh, Mr. Fox, this is so nice. Maybe that's a bit strong. But just in if you would normally be someone who's quite um, restrained, and, and I think I am normally, then mm -hmm. I would try and let myself relax into the experience and show what I'm feeling with my body and mm. my, my voice. Is that why the first time we tied together, <gasps> you begged me to put my fingers inside you? Anyway, so I think also we should look for the micro-expressions of 
less pleasant because sometimes there's a bottom you will not enjoy something but you don't want to upset the person so you try not to show it but our micro expressions can really um show what's happening so maya you're a psychologist yes can you tell us a bit about what micro expressions are and what kind of micro expressions we're looking for in our partner in those situations so micro expressions are uh, very small fast expressions that kind of flit across the face um, involuntarily so they're not things that we super control so um, for something like disgust it could include um, like the curl of a lip or the twitch of an upper lip or the scrunch of a nose or the shrug of a shoulder like they're very slight very fast movements but i will say the latest research on emotions show that there's no universal uh expression of each emotion so just be careful and don't over interpret but this is where the more you get to know your bottom um in real life as well as in rope the mm-hmm. more you'll understand them so i think it's worth looking out for those expressions i would say if you catch something and you're not sure what it means it's probably a good idea to check in with your partner If they're like fidgeting a lot, if you catch one of those micro expressions, instead of deciding for them what it means, yeah. checking in with them and saying, are you okay? With some, is there something you're not so comfortable with? Might be the way to go. And then they can express what their feeling is. Yeah. And you can get positive micro expressions as well. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what I'm also saying. So yeah. you're, you're talking about if you see positive micro expressions, do more of it. Like mm-hmm. it might be subtle how your bottom responds to your rope. Yeah, one that I pay attention to a lot is how my partner relaxes her shoulders. Mm. That tells me how much tension they're carrying in the shoulders. Tell me, tells me a lot about the kind of experience they're having. Okay, what if they come with a lot of tension? Just I beat it out of them. Asking, <laughs> asking for a friend. In terms of speed, mm-hmm. usually slower is going to be more sensual. Yeah. Uh, if your rope is a race to the finish... Like, let me show you how I can tie a TK in 45 seconds or less. Probably less of a central experience. Okay. Um, I think another way you can um, enhance sensuality can be a blindfold, but it does mm. have pros and cons, right? So what are the pros and cons of the blindfold for you, Maya? So if I have a blindfold on, um, it definitely focuses me more internally and to my body. So um, if I'm at a party... It helps me to focus on the scene space and not all the stuff mm, that's going on. Okay. So it can definitely enhance the feeling of touch. Mm-hmm. Um, on the con side, um, seeing your partner's pleasure can also be quite sensual. And mm. so obviously you can't see that. Um, and eye contact in itself can mm, be sensual. Very much so. So it, it, I think it depends on the scene. Um I enjoy blindfolds and I often shut my eyes anyway, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of positives in being able to see your sensual rigor, your sexy rigor. All right. So as a bottom, Maya, what tips would you give to make the experience more sensual both for yourself and for your partner when you're doing rope? Um, I think one thing I would say is you can touch the top during the tying too. So again, mm-hmm. assuming your negotiation Um, and you've discussed boundaries and what is okay and what is not because this is something that we just don't see people ask as much. Where is the top okay being touched? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can be a bit more active just because they're tying you. If your hands are free, you can run your um, fingers around their genitals. Again, assuming it's been negotiated. 
or you can just um, place your hands on their hips behind you or you can run a hand over their head. Um, and obviously, touching their genitals can be um, very sexy to a consent violation. Yeah, there's a whole spectrum, yeah. so that's why checking before. Checking before is super important. Yeah. But um, your touch can be super important. So one thing sometimes I do, not super on purpose, but I know it happens, is have my hand on you and squeeze um, when it's particularly exciting or panicky. Um, and so you can tell a lot through my touch mm. how I'm feeling, I think. Yeah. Um, and touching them um, while a different part of your body's being tied or even when your hands are bound, that kind of grasping or touching where you can, that feeling of desperation uh, can be quite sensual, I think. Mm. I definitely think that it is personal. Okay. <laughs> so also um, that physically and verbally giving feedback. So your, your ums, your sighs, your purrs, your looks, and all your physical reactions that we've talked about. And most of all, trust and let go. Like the more rigid you are, I think the less sensual the tying is. Mm. And then to summarize or to conclude rather on this part, I think some things from both sides will always improve the experience and it's coming prepared. And what does that mean to you? Coming prepared both in body and in mind, actually. So in the body category, it would be things like being clean. Absolutely. Having a nice body, having everything's groomed, like your nails, your body hair, in the place you like them, in the place that's going to be nice to your partner. If you are wearing clothes, make sure they are comfortable, they're pleasant to tie, to tie on, sorry, if you're the person being tied, they're pleasant to touch, they're nice to look at potentially, like lingerie, silky, latex, whatever rocks your boat. And what about your mind? How do you come prepared in your mind? I think sensuality requires being present to the scene. And so if you manage to unburden yourself of your worries, of distractions before you enter your scene space, it's going to be conductive to a more successful central scene. And for some people, this might be also accessing a more primal headspace if that is something that your partner is okay to receive. Mm, definitely. So the last area that we wanted to talk about was sensual suspensions, which mm-hmm. um, Zadi asked about specifically. And it can be harder to do a sensual suspension, right? It's true that usually when people talk about sensual rope, their mind goes more towards floor rope. But there are definitely ways you can make suspensions more sensual as well. Okay. And so what, what tips can we give on sensual suspensions? I would say all the suggestions we've given so far also apply to suspensions. And in addition, I think some types of suspensions are more likely to end up being central than others. Okay. Tell me more about that. Mm, I would differentiate between the tying time. So when you're putting the rope on before going up and when you're up in the air. Okay. And so for the tying, some will be easier to make central than others. For instance, I find it really easy to tie your chest harness in a sensual way. Less easy to tie a waist harness in a sensual way. Okay. Because of the mechanics of the body, is the position relative and so on. So what tips can you give for tying 
either the chest harness, well, the chest harness and the waist harness that make it more central? Like how, why is it more central? What do you do? For the chest harness, for me, it's very natural because of the position. I tie the chest harness most often from behind my partner. And so she's in my arms. Mm. Um, my face is usually in her neck. Uh, it's it's super central by default. And I'm a very full body, full contact rigger. So there's a lot of skin touching. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of feeling of holding the person. Mm. And so it's quite natural for that to be central. When I tie a hip harness, that's usually something I tie from the front with the person standing and I'm sitting or kneeling in front of them. And it's less natural to bring sensuality into that. So things I will do is potentially lean my head into their hip, lean, mm. lean my head onto their thigh, depending of the, on the level of sexuality and intimacy in the scene, maybe like kiss whatever I can reach from that position and so on. But it's going to be less natural as a central experience. And I think here's where the bottom can add to that sensuality. Absolutely. Stroking your hair or like writhing your hips, moving your hips Mm. or sighing and making the noises. Um, I think as a bottom for central suspension, it's really important that you are comfortable in suspension. So Mm -hmm. I think if it's your first suspension or your first few suspensions maybe don't try and make it too central because actually you've probably got a whole lot of yeah other maybe focus on the technical and the safety and getting everyone home alive yeah for your first few suspensions yeah once That's once you've point. kind of got the hang of the idea of being in the air being held by rope like i think it's a good idea to just get mm. used to that before you try and add Great point, pressure to yourself to make it central also i think in general the bottom's relationship to pain will condition how sensual a suspension scene can be yeah and that seems fair so why is that most suspensions involve at least some amount of pain that you can't eliminate right? i would agree yeah right. there's no perfectly comfortable suspension in my experience anyway yeah um and so is the bottom a person for whom pain is going to be an enhancement to sensuality because we have some level of masochism, which we strongly support and validate on this podcast Mm. because we do enjoy pain at least to some extent. Or on the opposite, uh, is the bottom a person who finds pain like a distraction and something that puts them out of that space? And honestly, that's not under anyone's control. Um, There's many reasons to enjoy suspensions and if you don't have an enjoyment of pain it's not central for you then it's okay you're not broken you're not wrong in any way and you're just gonna do your suspensions in a less central space and that's perfectly fine too i would add um from my experience that the more you do suspension the more Mm -hmm. you get used to handling the pain of suspension and the, the less space it takes up in your head Mm. so i think while because i would say when i came into our relationship i wasn't super pain orientated because of various factors we've talked about before and now pain is a lot more sexy and central to me but having done a lot of suspensions i'm much more used to the the space that that pain takes up and and i can almost habituate to it so it doesn't um take away from the Mm. sensuality so i do think experience 
helps bottoms to absorb that pain, whether or not they like it. Okay, that's a great point, Maya. I think sensual suspensions is something that is going to be much easier to access when both the top and the bottom are experienced. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do think so. So getting up um, can be a bit challenging mm-hmm. uh, to be to do sensually, uh, unless you're Mosafir and you just flip the person upside down. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's been rehearsed and that's why it looks so seamless. Yeah, I think the bottom also, also is I think quite... it's very good as a rigger, to be clear. And I'm the not, bottoms are bomb-proof bottoms. Yeah. Um, it is okay to say we're going to go up in a more pragmatic way of, all right, let's all hands on deck. Is your ankle okay? <laughs> you need a bit higher, a bit lower. Okay, now you're all set. We can start to play in the rope and be more sensual again. Yeah. I think it's okay to have breaks in the sensuality for safety purposes or for practical purposes and then return to that sensual headspace. Yeah, once. or for comfort. Like if you, so I found that very small pains mm-hmm. can be really distracting yeah. and actually dressing a wrap, which I know mm-hmm. you love, um, makes a huge difference to being able to A, sustain and B, yeah. absorb the pain uh, in the suspension. So by all means, bottom say, can you dress my right ankle wrap? Because and, and I can see how a bottom would be shy about that. Because they might think, oh, I'm going to fuck up the scene if I speak up at this time when everything is going so well. But actually ask yourself this, is it better to speak up for five seconds, have it fixed, and then go back to an amazing scene or spend the next 25 minutes in a situation that sucks for you? Yeah. Um, and not be able to sustain it as long because yeah, you've got this so, teeny like, tiny just, pain that's really bugging you. Like, please speak up, yeah. bottom, whoever you are who's listening to us right now, do it. We, <laughs> but we once, support you. Once you're up, there's a lot of sensuality that you can do, right? Yes, so tell us about that. Yes, there is. One of my favorite things, Maya, about suspension is playing with my partner's body once they're in the suspension. And why is that sensual? It's kind of amazing because it allows you to access a body in a way that you cannot do in normal life because usually people don't just float in mid-air like that (laughs) and yeah you have a lot of access to all kinds of parts of their body depending on the position you chose you can run your fingers over them if it's appropriate for that person you can run your lips over them you can really take advantage of the position you can slide under them i love laying down under my bottom while she's in suspension and like looking at her from underneath and i'm sure you can find photo examples of me doing that because i do it a lot um and yeah just like playing with them swinging them a bit in the rope like i find that an amazing sensation um one thing to not be afraid to do also is support partially the weight of the bottom as the rigger uh and that can both give some relief from discomfort and pain and also bring more sensuality through more body contact. Mm. So like lifting a hip with a hand, with a foot, uh, that's going to be a nice connection and that can help sustain the position longer as well. Yeah. And you can, of course, um, bring in other activities mm-hmm. once the person's up in uh, suspension, obviously, whatever you negotiated. Yeah. So there's massage and touch, yeah. um, pinwheel, essential flogging. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's central impact you can do. Yeah. And obviously sex. I mean, the, the level of sex that counts as sensuality 
is up to the individual, but yes. certainly there's a lot of sexual activities that can feel very sensual. Mm -hmm. You can give like nice, slow oral sex to your bottom, for instance, if very the position so. gives you access and that can be extremely nice. Yeah. And so what about coming down? So coming out of suspension, how do we make that sensual? Uh, there is one way I think you can really make coming down from suspension both more sensual and also safer. And it's a technique I really like using, and I'm happy to share it with our dear listeners today. <laughs> and that is receiving your bottom's body into your own body as you bring them down. So let me explain a little bit what I mean by that. Um, let's say you are a in a face-down horizontal suspension over the bed, which happens quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I could lower you just down onto the bed, right? Um, but what I like to do actually is get my body under you and catch you as you're coming down slowly into my arms and support you as you're coming down and coming down with you. And as a rigger, you can develop a technique where you're basically hanging yourself with your hands, hanging on to the upline and slowly lower it, which will lower both your own body and your partner's body at the same time, uh, which means instead of getting down onto the floor, onto a mat, they are like nicely deposited into your arms. Mm. And that's both super nice in, of, in terms of sensuality. And also that means that if you have a, an issue with your upline as you're coming down, if your line slips, well, they're not face planting on the floor. <laughs> they're falling into your arms, which I expect is a more pleasant experience. Yeah, definitely. So I think there's um, a tip there around tops, rope tops, learning body control techniques because they can make a really big difference in terms of sensuality, control, all of those aspects. So that's all from us at the Rope Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from, at iTunes or Stitcher or whatever, and come friend us on our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Also, if you have time, give us a review as they make a big difference to us reaching more rope lovers. We also love questions from listeners, as you've seen from today's episode. So drop us a message on FET and we'll try to answer you in an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying.